sense, even as we were worshiping, God was touching my heart, and I just have a sense that he's wanting to meet us at a heart level this morning. And what we're talking about, we're continuing what we started last week with the whole theme of desires. Last week we looked at, on Easter, what was God's desire? What was in his heart in coming and giving his life and rising from the dead? And this week, we're talking about our desires. And we're talking about, really, the thing, and when we're talking about our desires, we're talking about the thing that drives your life and your decisions more than anything else. Whether we admit it or not. But we all, we have sometimes known and sometimes hidden desires within us. And that's what drives our decisions with what we, how we spend our time, our relationships, if there are unhealthy patterns in our life, if there are cons- compulsive or addictions in our lives, it is all rooted back to what is going on at a heart level in our desires. And oftentimes we think that what it means to be a good Christian, a good religious person, is to suppress those desires. Like, oh, scary. Let's suppress it. But that, just, if you haven't figured that out yet, that doesn't work very well. And, but the reason it doesn't work is because desire is a God-given faculty. It's, we are made to desire, and we're made with desire, but it's, and God's desire, God's desire is to fulfill our desires. So our, our title today is Yearnings Fulfilled. We're looking at the longings of our heart, the cravings, the desires, the yearnings of our heart, how God fulfills those. Um, but it's, it's tricky because it's, it's complex, and I think our culture has an especially shallow and inaccurate understanding when it comes to the topic of desire, the subject of desire. On the one hand, there's this complete, when, when I was you know, even putting together the, the, the slides for this, these, these messages and picking out a font, I was like, oh, I've got to be careful because just the word desire like, has these connotations of, like, you know, illicit, sort of, like, adult store. Like, you think of desire, and it's like, oh, that's where, you know, that's kind of the connotation that there is in our culture. It's associated with, with lust, with, with illicit activity. Um, you know, you don't want to Google the word desire. You know, it's just like, there's, that's, it's been so, that's what is associated with this idea. Um, it's comp- it's completely associated with, with basically lust and uh, selfish desires. Um, but on the other hand, it's confusing because we're told that our desires equal our identity. And so if you have certain desires, that is an absolute ruling force in your life. And if you desire... You know, I mean, the obvious example in our culture is that, you know, if you have same-sex attraction, if those are your desires, the message our culture has concluded is like, well, that is your identity then. And that is really bonkers, you know, just because our, our desires are so fickle and changing and even fluid, the word that's, you know, used in our culture. It's, it's not trustworthy to just go on the, like, the, the feeling of the moment. And so... But there's this idea that, well, on the one hand, we sense, like, even as, as Christians, there's this feeling like, oh, man, desire, suppress, bad, stay away from it. But then on the other hand, there's this idea that, hey, all desires are good. And whatever you desire, that, that must be a good thing. 
And so it takes some understanding, which God's word gives us, to get to the bottom of this. So I want to encourage you to, to, this morning I believe God wants to encourage us and just even unlock hidden things in our hearts that he wants to fulfill our desires. Um, But also, so it's going to be hopefully just encouraging as we keep going. But I also encourage you to take notes because I'm trying to take like a, this could be easily like a four-week series that I'm trying to bring in one one message here. And so there's going to be some like how-to. Like, how do we come into this? And so, take notes. I believe God's got real practical stuff for each of us this morning as well. So, God help us. Um, there are two, two problems with desire. I just want to start out by laying out the, that the Bible talks about. The first is that it's the problem of, dis, of destructive desires. Destructive desires. And in the book of James, James writes, and he's got a couple little excerpts that really talk about how our desires can be destructive. In James 1, verse 13 through 15, we read, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Now listen to this. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So the language there, it's the language of a trap that would be set for an animal. There's a lure. There's a bait on the trap. And, you, you know, your nose starts wriggling like, ooh, meat. Oh, this is good. And you, yeah, I want that. And you go, but you don't realize that it's set on a trap. And when you grab onto it, the whatever, what that thing is called, <laughs> latches onto your neck and the end is not good. And that's really how the devil uses destructive desires. He appeals to our instincts and our our pride and our selfishness. And we see this all the way back to Adam and Eve when when the devil and the serpent tempted them. It It said that they saw that this fruit was pleasing to the eyes and it tasted good and it was desirable for making one wise. It played upon these desires but it was, a, it was a trap. It was a destructive desire that the enemy plays into. So that's, that's what happens with us too. Each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And I think, you know, if, if we have any level of self-awareness, any amount of living, we have examples from our own lives of times where that happened to us, where there was a, that sort of desire that we followed, and then we found ourselves stuck in a trap, and it brought death about in our life. Um, you know, that's, that, that's how, how the devil causes this to work. Um, moving on to James 4, he talks a little bit more about this. He says, what causes quarrels And what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions, which is sometimes translated desires or pleasures, and it it literally means the satisfaction of physical appetite, that these passions are at war within you. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So we see these destructive desires. Just this past week, it came out in the local news. There was a 
uh, a man who just got convicted of indecent liberties with a child and rape. And it was a situation where it was his stepdaughter. And from the time that she was five until she moved out of the house at 18, this happened on a like, daily basis. And it's just horrendous and heart-wrenching. But as I read that in the paper, I was thinking about it. I was like, wow, there's an example of a man who had destructive desire. There was a desire, and he acted upon that desire. And out of that, he just caused so much damage, obviously to his own life, but obviously to the life of his stepdaughter. And... That's what, when these sorts of destructive desires, they objectify other people, and they objectify ourselves, and they, they destroy us, and they destroy our lives. And, and we may be like, oh man, that's, you know, we, we should be just, just horrified at this type of, of evil. But if we're honest, we go, you know, there's that capacity in me too. You know, there's that capacity in me to give in, and I've given in to my desires in a way that that I, it's, it's lustful, it's selfish, it's destructive, it objectifies other people. And, wow, that is, that is really destructive. So, you know, obviously, huge problem with, with human desire. Problem number two is the problem of frustrated longings. Our longings, having longings that are frustrated and not fulfilled. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I think one of the most difficult things in life, in my experience and that of what I've seen in other people, is when you have hope for something, you have a desire for something, and it's a good desire, and then it, you know, it's deferred. It's not realized. Maybe you know, one of the hardest things is for people that desire to have a child. And they're not able to conceive. There are you know, dreams that people have for their, for their family. There are people, I mean, you have children, and you desire what's best for them. And then they're not doing well. Man, that, that desire and seeing it deferred, seeing it not realized, is so difficult, so painful. Even you know, other promises from God that you receive, but then there's a delay, or there's a lack of experiencing that promise, it makes your heart sick. You know, living in a fallen world and, you know, believing for, God, you want to you transform this city. And then you see, like, oh, there's so far to go. Man, that is, that is a challenge. That is a painful place to live. And it's unavoidable. It's, it's unavoidable. Um, the reality that we have strong desires, which are often unmet, is, is all around us, and it's, it's in every one of us. Um, the, the number, what's, I, I, I don't know who, you know, these lists of what, like, top college towns and all that, I don't know how they get these things, but I read this this week, the number two rock song of all time is I Can't Get No Satisfaction, and it's, I think it's, it resonates with people, you know, on many levels, but there's this, again, you know, healthy or unhealthy, but this, this reality that people live in is like, man, there's this, I want, there's, I have desires, but it's not being fulfilled. I looked at the current top ten, and that theme is like, it's 
it's in thousands of songs, it's in thousands of books, and thousands of TV shows, thousands of conversations of like, man, I've, I have these longings, but they can't be fulfilled. Unfortunately, the current top 10, man, it was, it was so raunchy, I couldn't even like repeat what was, what was in there. Um, so you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, frustrated longings. This is, this is, in the world, it's, it's for Christians too. You know, one of the, I think, very insightful and just sad stats about people who, uh, those who consider, of church-going, church-going men today, a stat that I saw, and there's, there's a website called um, Freedom Fighters, a ministry called Freedom Fighters, that is all about helping people overcome problems with pornography. And the stat is, is there and elsewhere is that 68% of church-going men regularly use porn. And that's an issue where God wants to bring a better way. But it's, it points to the reality that there, is a, there are desires that are unmet that people are not coping with well. People are not finding the fulfillment for those desires in healthy means and looking elsewhere. Um, yeah. So, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. The the good news, the second half of this verse is so hopeful and encouraging because in the midst of the reality that, man, there's, there's hope deferred, there's frustration, there's desire that's unfulfilled, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. It points to God's intention, God's plan to fulfill the desires of our heart. Um, there's, and so much of Scripture is, is full of just poetically, vibrantly describing how God fulfills the desires of our heart. The passage Matt, uh, Matt Michael read in, um, in Psalm 65, was it? No, where was that? Anyway, so good. So good. 36. Final 65, 36. I go back and read that. But so many scriptures. In, in Psalm 63, we read, Because experiencing, experiencing your loyal love is better than life itself, my lips will praise you. Yeah. Because experiencing your loyal, steadfast, loyal, loving kindness is better than life itself. My lips will praise you. The psalmist wrote this from, the, this from a place of how I'm experiencing the fulfillment of my heart's desire in the love of God. Now, it's, it's, it's very insightful that, in back to pornography, but the number one word used in searches for porn is love. Actually, it's not lust, it's not porn, but what people are really looking for is, is love. Shocker, I know. But we were made to experience love. We were made to experience God's love, and that's, that's our ultimate desire. And everything else is, is secondary to that, because experiencing your loyal love is better than life itself. My lips will praise you. That's the thing that is the desire deep within every heart. That's the desire behind every other desire. That is, that is the thing that we are looking for, and that is the thing that God wants to give us and does give us. Um, and so the problem is not desire, but it's, it's the what we desire and the how we desire. There's a really well-known quote from C.S. Lewis. I love this. It's from his book, The, the Weight of Glory. He actually finally got to reading in the last year. And um, he says this. 
C.S. Lewis says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us. We're like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Wow. Isn't that that different than how we naturally think about this? But it's so profound. The problem isn't that we desire too much, it's that we desire too little. We desire too little. We were made for more. We were made for so much more that God wants to pour into our hearts. We were were satisfied with with shallow and incomplete and fallen substitutes, sex and ambition and these things that are drink that are, you know, they're not it. But we, we find ourselves like latching onto these things, like children making mud pies in the slum when there's an offer of a great holiday at the seashore offered to us. And so, man, but that's so good. It's not suppressing the desires. It's, okay, I want to be, I want my expectation to be raised of God, what you want to do in my life. So in order for us to, to have our desires fulfilled, to have our yearnings fulfilled, um, that's the goal. And there, but there has to be a transformation. There has to be a transformation of what we're settling for, and there has to be a transformation of, of our hearts as well. There has to be a change that happens on the inside. And that's what God is in the business of doing, of transforming our, our very desires. And so, you all with me? Is this, is this the world we live in? Like, is this? Okay, good. Um, so, that's, that's the answer. God, God satisfies. God fulfills the desires of our heart. So I want to, in the rest of our time, I want to say, okay, well then, how? <laughs> like, how do I enjoy that? How do I participate in that? How can I come into, like, elevating my desires, and how can I come into having my, my desires transformed so that they can be fulfilled. And so I'm going to look at five different ways, kind of this process, and this is why I said this could easily be several weeks of talking through, so, but I'm trusting that there are different places where you're at that are going to be especially relevant to you today. So the first thing you've got to do is you've got to identify your problem areas and, you, and then the true underlying desires. You've got to honestly identify your problem areas. That is, what do I go to to, find, to try to find pleasure, to try to find joy, to try to find life? What do I go to that's destructive and not really it, but I'm, that's where I tend to go? Because that actually can be a really good clue if you look at it, to analyze, okay, what am I really looking for? So we talked about porn. You know, that's sex is a great gift that God's given us, but when it's out of bounds, it's really like we're looking to sex, but what we're really looking for is love. What we're really looking for is intimacy. What we're really looking for is connection. What we're really looking for is real pleasure. And so 
We look at, okay, if that's the problem area, God, what am I, what am I really, what's the real longing in my heart that's deeper than just that surface thing? Um, if it's, you know, alcohol is the thing we run to. You know, maybe what we're, maybe the, the deeper thing is confidence or being uninhibited or, again, pleasure or, you know, freedom in relationships. There's something more. It's not just this, this liquid that, that we're longing for. There's something that we identify with that it's going to give me, which it never can do. But there's something deeper. And so we see the problem area and go deeper. If it's social media, you know, if I'm like, man, I've, that's where I'm like going to to try, to try to find life, to try to find my desires met. Well, maybe I, I want to be known. I want to be appreciated. I want to have a life of significance. Um, you know, we could, we could go on. Um, so you could look at our uh, drugs, look at another big area would be, would be our accomplishments, our work, or school, um, you know, though it's like being a work, tendencies to, to be a workaholic or find our identity in our work, but it's really like not that, but it's, okay, I'm looking for significance. I'm looking for meaning. I'm looking for value. What am I really looking for? And so you identify the problem, my problem areas, but then figure out what's the real underlying desire that's behind that. And realize that's the thing that God wants to fulfill. Not just to, you know, give me another drink, but the real, the real answer. You guys following? Um, okay. I'm tempted to ask questions here, but I'm not sure what I would ask. <laughs> I, um, yeah, what is, oh, food. Yeah, food's another one, you know. What would be, what would be, if food is a thing that we look to, what would be, what would be a possible underlying real desire behind that? I am asking you now. You can throw out some answers. Comfort, Comfort. yeah. Good. Good. Two of us like food a lot, I know, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We just, we just want to be comforted, man. (laughs) Good, anything else? With food, you can see? Control, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously when it comes to, like, eating disorders, it's more evident. Um, but, yeah, it's something in control. Yeah. Um, yeah, anything else with food? Satisfaction, yeah. Pleasure, yeah. Again, those are, those are good things, actually. Those are good things. But food can't really deliver that well. Um, maybe, you know, maybe a little bit, for a little while, but not fully. Okay, so we've got to identify our problem areas and the underlying desires. Then, we can trade up. We can trade up. We can, it's a conscious decision. Okay, I am looking to this. I realize that is not it. I'm going to like C.S. Lewis said, I'm going to set aside my mud pies and I'm going to trade up for the real thing. And I'm going to look to God for that thing. In Psalm 27, verse 4 and 8, David writes, and he says, One thing I have desired of the Lord. One thing. I'm trading up. This is the one thing I desired from, of the Lord. That I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, 
your face, Lord, I will seek. So he's saying, hey, there's, I realize there's one thing that my heart desires, and it's you, Lord. It's your presence. It's friendship with you. It's to be in close proximity with you. It's to be in your house with your people. That's, that's what I want. And so I'm going to seek you. I'm going to be intentional about seeking you right now and all of these other things. David was a guy, he knew what it was to desire. He was a man who lived at a heart level. And not always, not always well, but overall well. Overall, he was called a man after God's own heart because he, he lived this for much of his life. So we trade up. We establish an exclusive relationship with God. We say, you are my Savior. You are my Lord. You are my friend with a capital F. You're the one I'm looking to. And I'm establishing that it's not this or this or this. But it's you. We've got to establish that. That's what it means to recognize Jesus as our Lord, the one we're looking to for to be our all in all. And then it's not just a one time decision, but it's reestablishing and reestablishing and reestablishing on a oh, daily basis. Okay, God, no, I'm turning to you. I got to, because my heart, I'm prone to wander, like we sing. I feel it. So I got to, you know, today I'm looking to you. I'm not going to look to that. I'm looking to you right now. You're, you're the one I'm looking to. So you trade up. Number three, this isn't quite as fun. Starve your flesh. Starve your flesh. The flesh is the word the Bible uses to talk about our sinful desires. The parts of our, our body and our emotions and our will that have been corrupted by sin and that love that are inherently selfish, self-absorbed, just like looking to make ourselves God and to try to, to try to get what we want. And so... Uh, in 1 Peter 2.11, Peter writes, and he says, Beloved, I urge you as foreigners and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. He's like, hey, in you, in your body, in your soul, there's this war going on. You're, you're beloved. You're, you're born again. You have a new identity that loves God and is righteous and loves Jesus more than anything else. And then you got these fleshly lusts at the same time, in the same person, that are at war with each other. And it's the, like, who, who, which desire am I going to listen to? And so he says, hey, I urge you, abstain. The way that you win this war, the essential part of winning this war is to abstain from saying yes to the fleshly lusts, to the destructive desires. And so abstain, like, that's not a really popular word. But it basically, the, the power of it is, is whatever you feed the more it grows and the more power it has. So when we feed our spirit, our faith grows, our, our heart grows, good things grow. When we feed our flesh, it grows. But whatever we starve, that weakens and, and doesn't have as much power. So the amazing thing about like when we decide to, to, to starve our flesh, to say no to those temptations, especially when they're habitual, especially when they've been ongoing, and we say, I'm going to say no to that, and there is a war that breaks out in your life. There's a war that breaks out in your body. There is a like, ah, you know, it's like you're starving your, yourself. You know, it's like, I'm hungry, and I'm crying out for something. There's this war that happens. But if you, if you keep starving it long enough, it doesn't have the energy anymore to keep having as much power, and it diminishes in strength. 
And the more you, the more you starve it, and it takes the grace of God, it takes the power of God, but he does give us that ability to say no. And as we do that, the power of those destructive desires in our flesh goes down. Um, so it's essential that we commit to starving our flesh, to see, like, these are the areas where I turn to. i got to make a commitment to say no. And I'm probably going to need, a, I'm not probably, I'm definitely going to need accountability if it's something that's been habitual and ongoing. I need to have someone in my life that I can say, you know, this is the thing I've been feeding. I, I'm, going, I'm getting after it now, and I'm going to war with those fleshly lusts. And I'm going to commit to tell you if I stumble. I'm gonna, better than yet, I'm going to commit to call you up or let you know when I'm, like, in danger of giving in. I'm going to, I tell people, like, hey, if you're, like, this is your battle, and it's 2 a.m., and you're, like, don't know if you're going to be able to win, call me. Wake me up. Like, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. And usually, like, knowing that I'm going to have to call someone and wake them up, it might be enough to, like, wait till tomorrow and, like, hold off. But it, it's not always. And it's, 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 you need, we need people to stand with us in this process. So starve our flesh. Um, just to be completely clear, you know, if you're single, this means abstaining from sexual activity. It's learning to, to, to let Jesus rule our body and let him be the one we look to. And that's not just for single people, that's, that's for married people, that's, that's for everybody. 1 Corinthians 6.13 says, The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. That's just radical stuff. But every, every craving that we experience is actually pointing to something that God wants to fulfill. And it's learning to let him be the one we look to in those places of desire. So, um, it's abstaining. There are also, there are times as just a practice of a follower of Jesus, of, of fasting, that really help us in this process. So, fasting from food, man, I don't like fasting from food. I like food. I, I like to eat. But there's something, and usually days that I fast, I'm actually like, people don't like being around me sometimes. <laughs> like, they're like, oh man, I don't know if you should fast, because you're kind of grumpy right now. You're kind of a jerk to be around right now. But I try not to be that way, but it's like, oh man, it's like, they're the, the things that I'm just used to, you know, like going to for comfort. But it's, there's a power in just like having some disciplines and rhythms in your life. So you know what? That's not going to rule my life. That's not the thing that I most need. And so I'm going to have some practices and patterns of just putting my foot on that and letting my spirit flourish and starving the flesh. Um, so food, um, even for married people, there can be, hell, it's, it's healthy to have short seasons of, of fasting from sexual interaction. You know, not too long, the Bible says, you know, that, but it's, it says, hey, there's a time to devote yourself to prayer, and there, there are rhythms, that it's good to, like, to, to have times away, where you're like, but that's not ruling your life, and you're, you're making sure that you really are looking to the Lord for every need. So, starve your flesh. All right. Next thing, cultivate faithfulness. It's, you starve your flesh, but you feed your spirit. You feed the part of you that's made in God's image, that's new. In Psalm 37, verse 3, Trust in the Lord and do good. Live in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Cultivating, any of you with like farming backgrounds at all, like cultivating is not the most exciting part of farming, but it's, you know, it's like getting rid of the weeds and 
pruning and just like nurturing these plants, um, cultivating. It's this ongoing process. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you what? He will give you the desires of your heart. So there's a connection between cultivating faithfulness and choosing to delight ourselves in the Lord, and then our desires actually are transformed, and the real desires of our heart are fulfilled. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. Cultivate faithfulness. It's not enough. We can't just starve our flesh. We also got to cultivate faithfulness. We got to build up that of the, the spirit person that's inside of us. We got to practice renewing our loyalty to God, renewing our beliefs, renewing our thoughts, renewing our choices. Um, Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. And so cultivating faithfulness is learning this practice of walking with the Lord and connecting with him and drawing life from him throughout the day. Learning to, to get what we need and to, to be connected with him, draw our very life from him as we live. It's that, I don't, I, the best way I know to develop this is through spiritual disciplines. It's through regular, commit, committed times of like, okay, I'm going to spend daily time with God, reading the Bible and praying. And I'm going to make time for that. I'm going to carve out time in my day to spend time with the Lord. I'm going to read his word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to interact with him. And then I'm going to continue, you know, learning to keep that connection going throughout the day. Meditate on his word. Touching face with him. Praying. Talking to him. Um, I know for me, I am, I am at my most full when I've started my day with a good hour with the Lord. Like, that is, like, when I... When I'm in a place of like living that way on a regular basis, I'm the most fulfilled. I am the most full of life. I am the most having desires of my heart fulfilled. And does that always happen? No, that doesn't always happen. But that's where I'm getting, where I'm living my best life now, like when, when that's happening. And so the continual connection, and the more we're continually connecting with God, the less we have to have these emergency, like we find ourselves depleted and in a really vulnerable place of going into destructive choices and patterns. So, cultivate faithfulness. The best one, I think the best place in the Bible to cultivate the faithfulness and this, this at a heart level is the Psalms. Um, it's just, it's the reason, it's the reason it's the biggest book in the Bible. There are 150 of them. And so, if you read one to five Psalms a day and just like meditate on it, chew on it, interact with the Lord, and great things will happen in, in this process. So, cultivate faithfulness. And then, one more thing I want to talk about, and this is kind of, this is interesting. Um, we want to come to a place of seeing the good gifts that God gives us, and by this we would be talking about some of the stuff we've talked about, food, relationships, if you're married, sex, um, you know, all the good stuff and money. See these things, they are not bad things, but it's important to realize they're gifts, not God's. They're gifts from God, but they're not God's. And the problem comes when we, we see them as God's and we're looking to them to fulfill us. But when we see them as gifts that God has given us, then we can enjoy them and delight in them and thankfully receive the good things that God has given us. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul's writing, and he's writing to rich people. 
He says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Wow, this is, like, this is really profound, if you get this. Going, hey, those of you who are rich, be careful. Like, don't be proud. And also, don't set your hope on riches. Because that's the tendency. You know, I, the more, whether you're poor or rich, it's like, the problem isn't money, it's setting our hope on money. It's looking to that as, as a God, looking to that as an answer, looking to that as a place of life and fulfillment. He's like, don't set your hope on that. That's, that's a bad God. Don't set your hope on God. But set, on, on that God, set your hope on God. But set your hope on God. Because he's the one who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So we can, when we get this proper, when we're looking to the Lord, then we can receive things in the world as good gifts and truly enjoy them. And elsewhere, a couple chapters earlier in Timothy, I'm just gonna, this is really interesting. I don't think I've ever heard anyone like teach on this. So, it's, But it's really just, there's so much in here. It says, the Spirit, 1 Timothy 4, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, Later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teaching, so it's saying there are ideas out there that are really deceptive and destructive, and they're from the enemy, and you're like, okay, what is this going to be? This is going to be, you know, like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But actually, that's not what it is. It says, such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it's consecrated by the word of God and prayer. So as much as like one trap is, oh, go with your fleshly desires, another trap, usually in the religious world, is, oh, you know, you gotta, like, you gotta avoid everything that's pleasurable. Because pleasure equals bad. And so, you know, some of us have seen some of those extremes. So, like, you know, don't drink, don't, whatever. It's like it becomes fixated on saying no to things. And, yeah, we've got to say no to things. We've got to abstain from things. But a healthy place is saying no. Actually, like, these are all good things that God made. But if we can receive it as a gift and thank God for it, receive it with thankfulness, and and steward it well. It's something God made for us to enjoy. So, gifts, not God's. All right. God wants to fulfill our desires. He is fulfilling our desires. Um, this is, I think, little understood. You know, it's or like understood at a shallow level. There aren't as many people living this way as you would hope, actually. But it's true. A God... God is the one who, who meets us in the places of our hearts. And he, he wants to fulfill and does fulfill the very desires of our hearts. And he helps us to, to get rid of the stuff or deal with the stuff that keeps that from happening. And so um, I just, you know, I'll encourage you this morning, that wherever you're at, that if you're seeing, like, okay, these are areas where I was, you know, this was a destructive desire or this was a, a sim- you know, I was looking to this, but really this, I just encourage you that God wants to meet you in that place. You know, maybe it'd be good to talk to somebody. Maybe it'd be good to get prayer, to just really, like, establish something in your life in this area. Maybe you want to get accountability. 
Um, but God is leading us and wants to lead us in and living this out more fully wherever we're at. So I'm just going to pray for us and trust God to help us. Lord, thank you. God, thank you that you're the one who made our hearts. You're the one who made our desires, really. You're the one who wired us this way. Thank you that you're the God who gives generously, that you give us good things to enjoy. And God, I just, I thank you so much that most of all, you give us yourself, that you, you're our greatest desire, whether when we realize it and when we don't. Um, Lord, I just, I trust you, Lord, even today, that you're, by your spirit, leading us more fully into this. I just, I pray, Lord, just that your spirit would be poured out upon our lives today. Lord, that you would help us, Lord, not just to, to grasp this with our minds, but to, to grasp it in our spirits. And, Lord, lead us fully into, into the place of fulfilling the yearnings of our hearts. God, we thank you for that. You're so good. Love you. In Jesus' name, amen.